This week on Prequel Sequel Remake. Oh, yeah, baby. I shock him and I rock him. Boys, boys, I am merely a man. An American man with a gigantic penis. I've got to land the plane. Abner, Air Force One, and the band, the Russians. Don't miss Prequel Sequel Remake. Some movies shouldn't exist. Let's pretend they do. I'm Peter Hunter. I'm Desmond Ports. And I'm Scott Hanchu. And welcome once again to the only show in existence called Prequel Sequel Remake. Uh, just if you put the quotes around that part. Uh, where we do a show where we take movies that don't have prequel sequels and remakes. And we make them up for you and write them. And it's really complicated. And you don't even need to know how all the ins and outs of what goes into making this show happen. All you need to do is to sit back. Relax and listen to us, and we will soothe you with our many words. Buckling up is optional. You're in questionable hands. Yeah. I mean, a lot of you are commuting, so you're already buckled up. And, I mean, it's really important, especially uh, for today's episode, that you buckle that airplane seatbelt. Because, you know, you never know when you're going to need a seatbelt on the airplane. I mean, if it's going down, you want to make sure that, you know, your fucking corpse is still <laughs> strapped into the seat so that the, the fish oh. and everything have something to, like, munch on when you're, you know, sitting at the, you know, fucking seafloor. I guess that's only in the case the, fl- the plane, like, goes topsy-turvy or, I don't know. I yeah. don't even want to think about that shit. Well, not while you're on the plane, that's for sure. Do you know what's fucked up is that is all I think about on the plane. <laughs> wow. Like, and I'm, I'm a really lax flyer. I don't, I would almost say I enjoy flying. Um... Sometimes, depending if right. you know, there's good flights and bad flights. But it's just like when I'm on the plane, I'm just thinking like, I could die really? very fucking easily. And why are we talking about planes? Well, that's because today's episode is about the 1997 airplane action movie, comedy, uh, action comedy movie classic, <laughs> uh, Air Force One. <laughs> Air Force One. Yeah, you know, Air that, Force One. That movie where Harrison Ford says, "Get off my plane." Yeah, that does happen in the movie, and we'll get to that part in the movie, but yeah. there's a lot we're going to have to sift through first in discovering the who's and the what's and the how's of President James Marshall, the fictional president as played by Harrison Ford. Sorry, I do not have the outline in front of me. Uh, That's the one thing I forgot. Air Force One, 1997, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who was also the director of Outbreak and Das Boot, which I haven't seen Das Boot. I know Das Bus from The Simpsons. Yeah, I haven't seen. I actually haven't seen it either. I've seen the the poster. Yeah, it's a submarine movie. That is what I know about Das Boot. Ooh, well, keep that on our little as a blip on our radar for subuary. Oh um, my gosh. Well, down the line, because <laughs> it's gonna be a merry uh, subsmist uh, in in Feb. U five seven one. No, U five seven one. Oh God. A little, get a little, uh, little down periscope is what I need. Oh, my God. You, a little Das Boot is what I want. You, um, I, I think you're responsible for most of the conversations of down periscope since, like, the year 1994. Uh, there was a big standee in my block. Oh, no, it's uh, my local video store, Silver Screen, which is closed now. Oh. But um, there's a big standee for many, many years. Mm-hmm. For down pe- down periscope, uh, fucking Mikhail's Navy. Oh, Mikhail's Navy. <laughs> oh god. Oh, oh god. Oh. Let's not even get started, guys, because we got a lot to talk about yeah, with we do. Air Force One. Yeah. So, 
President James Marshall, Harrison Ford, must retake the most technologically sophisticated plane on the planet, Air Force One, from the clutches of Kazakhstan terrorists led by Gary Oldman, who is just the guy. Yeah. He can have any yeah. accent, yeah. whatever. Yeah. He'll, yeah. he'll fucking do it. It's who uh, Tom Hardy <laughs> thinks he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Mr. President does a bunch of stupid and irresponsible shit to save his family because he's incredibly selfish and short-sighted and apparently doesn't care about the geopolitical ramifications of the president going on a murderous rampage. William H. Macy and Glenn Close are here for some reason, and they don't do much. A crying woman is executed at gunpoint while the whole crew listens. Fun! Also features some of the worst CGI of the 1990s. We're talking Langoliers grade crap, folks. <laughs> so who saw, who actually saw this movie back back when? I think, or, I think so. Even better question is: Was this you, you guys' first time, like, really watching and paying attention to it? Because it was definitely mine. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, definitely paying mine. attention. Probably yes. Uh, this movie was like TNT Sunday movie dad movie shit all the time. Mm -hmm. It is like. The equivalent of this shit now is definitely that, like, Olympus has fallen type crap. That right, fucking right. kick-ass sexy president who, you know, he knows how to fucking, you know, to kick a little ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that type of... It's Harrison Ford in his prime, you know? Right. It doesn't go as hard in Decker territory as a Steven Seagal is. It's not really that, that but it, it is just eye-rolling fucking patriotic garbage, uh, in my opinion. What do you guys think of this movie? Um, yeah, uh, I hated it. Um, it took, it, this movie <laughs> is brutally long. It is two hours. Um, and it feel you feel every moment of it. It's super slow. The action, I wrote this down in a note here, but I think Harrison Ford doesn't actually start do any action movie shit yet until the 44 minute mark. Again, this movie is oh, two wow. hours long. Oh, no. It's just super slow and unappealing. And Harrison Ford looks like he doesn't want to be there. And he's just playing a super bland-ass character. I don't know. Gary Oldman's pretty good in it because he's just one of those actors that, like, you know, is never going to turn in less than, like, a C-plus performance, you know? Yeah, um, I agree. So, yeah, I hated it. I hated it. Um, Scotty? Yeah, I, I didn't necessarily enjoy the movie at all. Um, but I do think that it fills this niche that we have, you know, kind of in the same vein as Con Air and his face off. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a plain action movie. And, you know, that's the thing about 1997 is that uh, this isn't the only plain action movie that came out. Con Air is uh, the same year, right? Uh, Con Air is yep. the same year as was Turbulence, if you're unaware Turbulence is another plane movie uh, that has two sequels. Um, what? Yeah, Turbulence. Yeah, it does. Tur but the first Turbulence, I would argue, with Ray Liotta as the villain, uh, the, the plot of that one is that he's like a villain that they're transferring on the plane. He's a prisoner, and he sweet talks the, the you know hostess, the flight attendant. Anyway, it's not very good either. <laughs> um, of course, and that's a Christmas movie. Um, oh, but yeah, uh, good, just on the plane, on there's there all too. these like decorations around the plane, and of course, it's one of these planes with like multiple floors and stuff. But there's right, basically right. no one in the movie. I would argue, though, it's be it's a better movie than Air Force One. Wow. Um, Turbulence Two unwatchable trash turbulence three slight tick up from uh, unwatchable trash only because it's really really bad and oh. was actually the last movie produced by trimark studios oh uh, so fact. closing it out but you know something about playing movies in 1997 hey 
It's the year of the plane, you know? And it kind of marks uh, uh, the tail end of that, like, diehard with a blank type genre of, of one rogue guy behind enemy lines or, you know, in, you know, in the base with the enemy having to sneak around and, and do shit. Um, it's, it's, there were more diehards, though. There are. Yeah, but those got bigger and dumber. <laughs> yeah. Or just had fucking <laughs> Bruce Willis holding a sign with the N-bomb. On a, on a New York street. Yeah, that was oh, Die Hard 3. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> what the, fuck? <laughs> the movie would have, like, honestly you been really, better without that. You did yeah. not need it. <laughs> did not need it at That's all. That's not the only thing you could say to piss off, like, black people in Harlem. No. no. Like, why do you have to go to that extreme? But we're not here doing a Die Hard 3 <laughs> no. cast. No. We oh need to get into the Let's liberal, save that for a talks episode. The weird on racial Die tension in that movie that is like, is John McClane ever really like a racist? No. Like, there's nothing racially charged in any of those movies. <laughs> but they <laughs> no, add this like layer of it. They oh. definitely do. Uh, I'm surprised that. Uh, Bruce Willis didn't turn down that idea. Like he wasn't like, a, I'm not gonna uh, fucking do that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. Gonna be that's butt naked I think with a sign that says, <laughs> "Does it say, you know, fuck?" Yeah, yeah, okay. It actually, oh, says God. that he hates. I that. hate. Yeah, that's so. That's <laughs> so bad. Bad. It's so bad. <laughs> oh my god. It's so bad. Oh, um, but Air Force but, One. Yeah, Air, Air Force, Force One. One. <laughs> you love how much we love Air Force One because we keep trying to talk about other so movies. Air Force One, immediately it starts and he's, uh, you know, uh, my God, I can't, I hate politics so much in, in the real world. Fucking mm -hmm. when they, in, in movie politics, I am, you know, just, yeah, I yeah. am, that, that sounds more like a snort, like a pig than a fucking snort. snort. <laughs> Whatever. He's like, he's like, he's like going around the plane and he's trying not to have anybody spoil the big game oh, for God, him. Oh God, I know? hate that oh. salt of the stupid bit. That's what I'm talking about, the salt of the earth president. <laughs> he's on that plane for like a matter of seconds and he's it's like, uh, give, give, he has a brewski, like a bottled beer. Yeah. He's like, oh, don't spoil the game for me. And, you know, the, the first lady comes up to him. He's like, oh, you work too much. All right, we'll go on that vacation. I think he says something like that. And there's just all of these people on the plane. Like, this is Air Force One. Why are there so many, like, random passengers? Why would there, why would there be any passengers is what I'm wondering. I mean, I guess there's, like, dignitaries and, 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 and you know, government people or whatever. But, like... You're gonna let the fucking Gary Oldman and his band of married terrorists in there? Like, uh, okay. Like, where's the, where's the fucking security on this? You know what I mean? Yeah, so the basic gist of this is like, okay, so the movie opens. First off, the movie opens with two minutes and 45 seconds, I timed it, of uninterrupted title cards uh, <laughs> set with really slow, boring music. Jerry Goldsmith <laughs> did the score for this. He's a legend. He did the Star Trek movies, among other things. He's a great composer. He's a wonderful person. This score for this soundtrack is awful. Do you know who uh, originally turned in a, yeah. uh, 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 the soundtrack for this movie? Turned yeah. in a draft of it? Yeah, it was Randy Newman. Yes. And oh, then, man. And Wolfgang Peterson was like, this is a fucking farce. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Could you imagine you got an enemy I of the state? <laughs> uh, I will say you can find clips of the score with the movie on YouTube. I'd argue it's oh, probably really? better. Um, but you can find them. Uh, look for them. But uh, anyway, so after that, it's like a five-minute sequence of this Black Ops raid like we're in the dark where they just capture this guy they haven't talked about at all 
then immediately cuts to a press conference where it's really awkward now because the president of Russia is talking about how the president of the United States is like the greatest leader he's ever known and his best friend. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, some things just come back around. You know, we're just we're we're (laughs) going to go into 2020. I mean, these are the things we need to talk about. Yeah, seriously. Um, And then Harrison Ford gives this like hammy ass presidential speech like out of the newsroom. It's so it's so fucking bad. Oh, I have like a very exact, good way to put it. Where's this exact trip? Oh yeah, we will never act again in our own political self-interest in order to avoid things we know are morally right. First off, fuck you. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely will. What are you talking about? <laughs> You gotta say what sounds nice to the public's ears. Now, what you do doesn't really matter that much as long as you sound nice. You know, that, that that's a all well and good point, Scott, but then all of his cat members are like, Sir, what are you doing? Uh, oh no. Oh no. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to like uphold this. Someone's like, Yeah, it, you just made this law. He's like, Yeah, it is law. And he's like, What are you talking about? You just said you wanna what? <laughs> You said six sentences. That's not how the law works. Yeah, there seemed to be, and uh, forgive me if I'm jumping ahead, but there's, there seemed to be this undercurrent of, like, after the hijacking where uh, it seemed like there were people who were down on the ground in, like, the situation room who were, like, just desperate to suspend his presidential authority from him. <laughs> yes. And it was like, they didn't really, like, I was thinking, like, oh, cool, so they're going to be involved with the terrorists somehow, you know? It was like a plot, like, almost like an inside job. But, nope, that doesn't come back around. That would be cool. That I remember. No one on the ground has anything to do. Yeah. Uh, they paid Glenn Close to sit in a room. Oh, my God. Yeah, poor, poor fucking Glenn Close. She's ostensibly the first female vice president, and there's so many misogynistic jokes made about her, and her character, like, never reacts to them, just, like, keeps going it's like oh god you deal with this every day president glenn close i'm so sorry i i guess and uh, uh apparently like her i think her hair was fried from cruella Deville, so she wore like one of her own like wigs mm. like, like like from her own wardrobe oh, which is geez. funny because uh yeah the Corella Cruella stuff will fuck your yeah fuck your hair up that's uh, like fucking white blonde yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. bleach and all that. Um, it's it's an essential component of airplane movies that they talk to the control tower. Mm. I mean, you know, it is in every single one of them. You got to talk to the control tower. You got you're gonna get up in the air. Things are gonna go awry. Got to have your buddy in the control tower system. Right. And um, they're gonna talk you through landing it because the pilots yeah. are no longer able. <laughs> That's yeah, the movie. That's every fucking plane movie. That that is that is exactly it. Yeah. So the the inciting incident is basically uh, one of the president's security detail is a traitor. They kill like this news crew and replace Gary Oldman and his buddies with their credentials, so they can get on the plane. And when the plane's in the air, they hijack the plane in a really convoluted, like stupid way. Yeah. Uh, there's like gas bombs, which is just like not a good idea, and an enclosed capsule. Yeah. And all the shooting. Okay, this is another thing that plane <laughs> movies do. They all have shooting that happens inside the cabinet. Like that's not going to prevent the plane from working properly. You're, I mean, you're gonna have to plug the holes, but they don't even address it. The the vacuum, you know, issue that's going on with the cabin pressure. Like, no, you can't just be shooting so much. You would think that would be at the midpoint, kind of like how someone gets dispatched or like maybe how Gary Oldman's character is killed. 
a la uh, Goldfinger. Like he sucked out the window when like the you know president shoots at the fucking the the fuselage. Like wall. A, a, like yeah, a, yeah. Alien Four Resurrection. Or Does it happen in Resurrection at the at the yeah, end. Yeah, does, yeah, the little baby alien yeah. gets and then and then like sucks it out piece by piece and like okay that's they're not in space. So maybe it wouldn't be like that, but like, come on, there need to have be some repercussions. But they all just decided, no, action movie on a plane, not gonna be realistic. Automatic it, the weaponry, move- fucking everywhere. Yes, yeah. The, it's it's not just like precision, like pistol shots. It's 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 fully automatic, uh, clumsily third person shooter video game firing of of weapons. It's it's you that thing would be going down yeah there a long before uh, it, it actually does which yeah. it does there's a point where like so like obviously there's so much staff and technology on the plane they realize a hijack is happening hijacking is happening so they call down and the pilots are going to land the plane because they're not fucking fools they know they can just make this happen and they shoot both the pilots like in the cabinet and like no one considered that you know a bullet won't stop in their like body it'll go through like the very sensitive glass right there like and nothing happens with that the it in the and it does this thing that i hate it happens in every one of these goddamn movies where they shoot the pilot and somehow someone with no flight experience whatsoever can like land and take off a plane again yeah yeah it's just yeah, like, right right exactly you know very very complicated i mean tons and tons of gears and knobs and levers and I mean, just hours and hours and hours of flight school, and you, you know, you gotta have the right state of mind. But no, 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 I'm sure we'll just be able to talk someone through it, especially after they shot bullet holes into all the sensitive fucking flying equipment. <laughs> yeah, no shit. ridiculous. Yeah, no shit, man. And there isn't even that moment where he's like, I was in Air Force Kazakhstan. He's like, no, it's just like Gary Oldman lackey number two just like grabs the flight stick and like just takes off somehow. Okay. And it's just, it's so easy to use a gun. I mean, you know, where is, you know, the creativity? I mean, you could get a scythe up there. You could get a fucking machete or something, yeah. you know? Like, there's so like, many ways. There's plenty of things, plenty of things that you also couldn't smuggle on Air Force One, but that's another. The movie's yeah. brutally violent. I really don't understand why they weren't ending for PG 13, because there did not have to be that much, like, bullet hole, squib impact, and, like, all that R rated stuff. Like, there's not, like, swearing or sex. It's like you could have had that nice PG-13 and probably made, like, ten times more. There's, like, a huge explosion of, like, the the refueling plane, like, right above them and next yeah, to them. that's pretty is, great. Which, which is <laughs> actually probably one of the more badass scenes. Yeah, yeah. fucking explosions. <laughs> badass. Um, still, though, it's like, yeah, no, no repercussions from that. No. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's a fun romp. <laughs> is, uh, it, is it a I'll fun say that, <laughs> <laughs> no, fun? it's not. But I want to I would want to know how many minutes of the movie are spent like in scenes that are just like down in that storage area. Oh I feel God. like that's like the, the big, cargo. Yeah, yeah, the cargo cuz it it's a big go between with the all the other scenes. Like you got to ha- you have to go through it to get to the upstairs or to the other to the to the ramp. There's just so much transit in that area. I just wonder how many condensed minutes would be like just the cargo. We call it air cargo one. You, it's like you could have the sneaky, uh, I, uh, the sneaky stealth movie, but you need a bigger type like setting. Yeah. Well, it's just on a plane. It's like I mean, <laughs> Air Force One's a big ass plane. It's not that big. It's yeah. like once they know the president's on board, how the fuck have you like the commandos not 
got every section cornered. Yep. Also, I don't think you're supposed to have access to the cargo hold from any plane. I don't think I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, Desmond, this plane this plane has a friggin' like escape pod in it, so yeah, like right, all, right, right. all bets are off. And by the way, I immediately checked: Does Air Force One have an escape pod? No, no plane has an escape pod. <laughs> um. No, no, it doesn't. Because guess what? It's just a pod that falls to the yeah. surface of the planet. And what the fuck? Yeah. What, do you think you're going to like bounce around what and be fine? What if it fine? falls into like, the ocean? Like, what well, what no, It's like, uh, like, if a, like if like one of the fighter jets goes down. I mean, they can eject. Yeah. It has little fucking, you know, parachutes on it. Yeah, but this is more just like a fucking like tube. They shoot the president I mean, out. You're absolutely right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, no, that. It's like, it's like, it's like R2-D2. No, no, that's not going to work. It's like R2-D2 and c 3 is like a skate pod thing, you know? Yeah, it's, it's exactly like that. And that oh God. that'd be great if the fucking president just landed in like, Tun- the, like Tunisia or some shit. Yeah, like, or, or that fucking, was just the move. Or just at the bottom of the fucking ocean and then he just dies. <laughs> um, oh, let me out! So uh, the president's like wife and daughter are on board and that's uh, the whole point. I gotta save my family. The American uh, family. The first God, family. It's, it's so fucking. The family shit is so bad. The the daughter is horrible. My, I checked. She's in. My daddy's gonna kill you. Yeah, she's in three more things, and I'm glad she was only in three more things. She's not a good actress. And like, she's. Why didn't you take me with the refugee camp today, girl? What? What are you talking about? You want to go to a Russian refugee camp? You are 12 years old. That's why you weren't allowed to go to the Russian refugee camp with your dad today. Like, ah. Yeah, you, want, you did not want to fucking go there. No. Nobody nobody wants to go there. Nobody fucking wants refugees to be don't there. want to be there. <laughs> it's a stopgap from the worst thing. <laughs> like, ah. Uh. But yeah, so like basically like all these people die to get him into the escape pod. And then he's like, no, I gotta, I gotta save my fucking family. Fuck, fuck this shit. And, oh, God. I'm sorry, just the fact that Harrison Ford's character is portrayed as a hero at all in this movie is so fucking frustrating to me. He's so reckless and stupid and uninteresting. Any president ever would be on that escape pod so fucking fast without <laughs> the fucking family. Yeah, no shit, man. The family or not, he is so fucking out of there. Yeah. If Secret Service is anywhere on this plane, you know, absolutely. That is step number one. They secure the president, which appears that they are not. Like, uh, uh, Donald, Trump would fucking, like, kick <laughs> Don Jr. Like, out of the way. <laughs> that poorly bearded fuck. <laughs> that sinister looking motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, uh, to get make sure he gets off. Um, so, like, then all, all, the president's, like, whole cabinet's on board, and yeah. I, I can't decipher who's who. William H. Macy is one of them. There's a few others that I kind of recognize, but yeah. they're all held hostage in the fucking... Uh, it's like a conference, a conference room. room. Yeah. yeah, and, like, a few of them get shot. Yeah. Fun. They're well, the- yeah, like, uh, the Gary Oldman and the ter- his band of terrorists... <laughs> that should be a fucking band right there. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, they, they have a whole terrorist-themed act. Uh, anyway. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm very sorry. Oh, yeah. One of the terrorists is uh, Peter Parker's fucking uh, uh, hard-ass landlord Uh-oh. from, the, like, Spider-Man 2 and 3. <laughs> I need the rent! Oh, I recognize that guy in a heartbeat. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, so Gary Oldman and his band of terrorists are somehow able to access an intercom that goes throughout the entire plane <laughs> Im- immediately and uh, then use that to, you know, threaten the president or the vigilante or John McClane or whoever, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, because they might kill somebody. 
so instead of, you know, going for the obvious choice, they do the movie choice where they shoot someone who doesn't matter to the movie. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like his, like, national security advisor, and he's like, you need to let me negotiate for you. I know all the ins and outs of the blankety blank. He makes some misogynistic joke about Glenn Close, and then he shoots him in the fucking face. Gary, Gary Oldman and his gang of terrorists, they're basically there because they want the leader captured in the black ops scene in the start of the movie to be released from Russian prison. That's like why they're doing this massive thing. Which also like, honestly, you have the president and his family on board. You have the literally the biggest bargaining chip on the goddamn planet. That's all you want. You just want one dude out of jail. I was so shocked. Everyone was like, we can't possibly do this. It's like, no, just let him out of jail and then fucking grab him. Like when the plane lands, like, why is this an issue? And, and right, and then there's this whole. This is actually kind of what makes me think that this is a comedy. There's this whole buildup with the uh, guy, Russian guy that they're letting go of the prisoner, where it's just like he's walking through the prison <laughs> yeah, and everyone's yeah. jeering, and he's like smugly smiling because it's all going according to plan. <laughs> and he gets outside, and he just gets fucking killed, shot <laughs> several shot. times, and so, done full squid entry and exit fucking wounds apparent on screen, which is not apparent at all. Why that is? I mean. In a prison, not in a movie, they just would, oh, okay, just arrest him again. Just keep him in the same handcuffs he's already in. Yeah. Yeah. You don't fucking shoot him dead on the lawn of the prison. That's not usually what happens. No, it's not. There's a lot of mid-air shenanigans, like the refueling and all that, which I know that's a thing. You can mid-air refuel, like certain planes, but... It just looks so fucking stupid. Yeah. And and all of the, uh, uh, when they start throwing everybody out with the uh, parachutes. The par- oh my my God. favorite part of the movie. Oh my God. Um, uh, uh, one of the, oh God. One of his like staff members. The, the, the woman they have a close-up on is just like grinning like it's fucking soaring over California yeah. at Disneyland. Oh yeah. It looks like a fucking like <laughs> promo for like a 3D hang glider fucking ride or oh something. My. Yeah, it dude! Looks, it looks so fucking bad. Um, it looks so fucking bad. That fucking, that fucking staff member. Okay, so they figure out like partway through, like, I, we can really skip over like the whole middle of this movie. It's basically Harrison Ford matter. slowly he, picking off people one by one with awkward product placement in the back ground um that about covers it yeah and then uh fucking like they're like oh they got the phones tapped we can't use that and then this one staff member is like we could send a fax (laughs) and it was like what the what the fuck what are we doing man why are why is a fax a like crucial plot point in this fucking movie yeah and then it's just of course you know it's it's like stereotypically just comes out of the fax machine and no one looks at it yeah at all kind of like real life (laughs) <laughs> you know, until yeah, exactly. It's like, what are they waiting for? Of course, yeah. While they're throwing the people out of the plane with the parachutes, he's like, everybody else first. It's like, I mean, I get the nobility of that, and all, but you're the fucking president. You're the fucking like, president. You would have been off that plane. Yes. He would have said he would. He wouldn't have had time to say get off my plane because he would have said. I'm going to get off my plane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with this plane. Um, Fuck you all. Fuck you. There's a good, there's a part near the end there where he, uh, uh, F-14 is like cruising along next to him and like, they're actually like looking at each other. Oh, yeah. God. Right. They're, yeah, they're having a conversation. Yeah. 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 Oh, Over the intercom, but looking at each other, like they're really <laughs> like, y- y- that, that was funny to me too. God, right. Was- right. Because at one point he's like getting harassed by one of the guards and he's got the, the radio in his pocket. And he like makes it signals to them so that they, they will shoot a missile, shoot a missile at Air Force One, 
so that the guys will, you know, predictably dodge. Yeah. Um, because they know how to fly the plane. Yeah. Um, if the, question if they didn't dodge, he just ordered, he's just suicidal. He just ordered a missile to be shot at the plane that he's in. It's so fucking A missile. It's so Definitely bad. gonna take that plane down. God damn. It, it would be like, was it the terrorist that brought him down? No, the, the president, he brought himself down. Yeah, he ordered uh, himself to be fucking shot down. God, it's that so, makes sense. It's so fucking, all of the leaps of everything, it's so fucking stupid. And like, this is about when Scott, like, the friggin' like Secretary of State, whoever the fuck, um, like just started. But we, if we, the majority of the cabinet members say the president isn't isn't mentally fit for office, then you know we gotta we can we can remove him from office right here right now. Which I don't I don't think that's actually the case. Maybe maybe it is. I don't know. I feel like we <laughs> who cares? Heard about just that do more. it now, and then later <laughs> we'll uh, you know not worry about it God, uh, it's, if he dies. Yeah, it's so fucking ridiculous. And then like there's. I don't think Glenn Close left that fucking conference. No, she left the conference room for one scene. But basically, they just hired all these actors for a day or two, I guess, to hang around this conference room and, like, relay this co these convoluted plot points back and forth between Harrison Ford, who's on, like, a shitty 90s cordless phone most of the time. Like, ugh. ugh. Hell of it is. <laughs> like... So yeah, yeah. He, he eventually he eventually throws evil Gary Oldman off the fucking plane with a parachute uh, at the, uh, the, ha the the cargo hatch yeah. of the plane, and Barry, Gary Oldman gets, you know... He gets burned up by the engine, right? No, no. no. He opens his parachute, and he oh, gets sucked. Oh, and the, and the, uh, right, yeah. and, the, and the, that was... I'm sorry, that was a different plane movie. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> Is that what happens? Am I fucking blanking on that? No, 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 no. No, by, gets, by no, no I think the parachute cord gets caught, and he's, like, hanging there. Yeah, he gets... And then he, like, he's, he's like, it's hung. He gets choked out, basically, by yeah. the parachute cord. Yeah, that, that's it. He, yeah, we, Harrison Ford chokes him out with the parachute cord, and then kicks him off the plane and then it's like a really like kind of funny comedy moment of just like strangled Gary Oldman just drifting through <laughs> the sky. Okay, okay, that's slowly. what I was going to say. Like, uh, uh, yeah, all right, all right. That's what I, that's what I remember. And then um and you would uh, think evil Eve Yeah. Sorry, and you would think movie over then because you know the villain's dead. No, movie not over. Movie has half an hour minutes. left. Yeah. Un yeah, unbelievable. Right, cuz then you got to get the turncoat, right? The guy from the inside. Yeah. Was, you know, he was in the cabinet, but he he so he helped orchestrate it all. Yeah. Unclear if he's, like, in cahoots with the guy on the ground. I'm going to assume that they are, because it kind of sure. seems like there's a coordinated effort going on here. Yeah, they didn't go into Which his motives totally at all. Which totally belies the, 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 the whole stupid thing about getting the prisoner, you know, booted out. It's kind of very convoluted in terms of, like, what's the actual goal of, like, this heist, really? I mean, it's they say it's about the prisoner thing, and... The actual terrorists seem to be pretty on board with only that, but yeah. then you've got like the people on the inside who are also working it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm yeah. at a loss for words. This is a little complex. Turncoat dude shoots William H. M uh, William H. Macy at the the final minute. Yeah, it was you. And like blam, blam, blam. Fucking president uh, leaves William H. Macy's uh, 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 corpse on board Air Force One as it careens into the ocean along with the villain. Yeah, so you have thought like the final patriotic act for him to like take his fallen brother's uh, body for proper slowly, burial. Yeah, slowly wrap a flag, you know, <laughs> right, fucking right. horn yeah. music. Yeah. But no, you're gonna be you're gonna go down with the ship with the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, but, and then you're just gonna you're just gonna be uh, you know food for the barracudas, which is uh, hey. It's not bad. Yeah, good for the barracudas. Could be worse. I yeah. mean, you're dead when you hit the fucking water. So and you hope you're dead. You sure. know. Well, you sh yeah, you might be. You might not be. I don't yeah. know. The I mean, I've seen Castaway. You know. Yeah. I, and I, Tom Hanks <laughs> lives. He does. So live. I guess the bottom line is, if you're gonna go down in the plane, 
be Tom Hanks. And that's it. <laughs> there you go. I think that's a good that's a good guide for most situations. Just be Tom Hanks. You know? Yeah. Gotta go to Jerry Duty, um, be Tom Hanks. They're not gonna pick you. Everybody recognizes you. No, worse is that everyone's gonna pick him. Because <laughs> they want to be Hanks around him. Like, I can't. Can you fucking believe it? I fucking make two million dollars a day, and I gotta sit through this fucking eight fifty an hour bullshit. Oh my in the god! Fucking court. That'd be fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say we can't we can't skate over this. Um, listeners, please, you can find it on YouTube. Please look up the plane crashing sequence. It's this hilarious, terrible CGI where the plane does a friggin' it does a oh uh, not a somersault. What am I thinking? Nosedive. Of? Yeah, no, it just like rolls. Hold on, what's it? What did I write? Yeah, oh, it no. looks bad. In '97, they weren't keen with the particle effects, so it's kind of just like this bare mo- 3D model of a plane tumbling about when hitting the water. Rather than there being debris and like explosions or like like any any detail on it, that CGI is bad. <laughs> it's, it's real bad. It's a cartwheel. That's what it was. The airplane fucking cartwheels into the ocean. <laughs> That's so, it. It's so fucking bad. Uh, but look it up. It, it's very funny. Um, it's it's the best part of the movie, maybe. Because <laughs> then you know the plane is definitely out of the air, and you don't have to suffer through that much more. Yeah, no. No. except the credits, which are probably long. So anyway, what's everyone think about uh, Air Force One? Would you recommend it? Uh, no. I, I'm with you. No, and that's I honestly don't feel too strongly about it. I don't particularly hate hate this movie. Just kind of boring. There isn't. There's not enough of like enough. Have those great moments in there. It, you know what it was lacking? Dare mm. I say, little Nick Cage. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. Nick Cage that, could have been the, the terrorist, he, the turncoat, he, yeah. or the president. Any of them. <laughs> Seriously, he could have been all fucking three. That would have been the fucking movie. And dare I say, John Malkovich? I mean, yeah. Well, they all got their own plane movies within the same year, so probably that's why they weren't in this one movie because they were I, probably working on the other ones. Was I shitty about uh, Con Air? Because I'm that movie's so much more entertaining than that. It, it, it is. It is more entertaining for sure. Uh, it's still not good either. Um, listeners, if you're looking for what we thought about Con Air, go ahead and play our Con Air episode. Listen to Con Air. I'll say it again. Con Air. So, what did everyone think of Con Air? Ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I loved Con Air. Uh, what did everyone think of Air Force One? Of the plane movies, I would put Turbulence a notch higher. I would put Air Force One probably as number two. It's like a between uh, Turbulence 3 and Air Force One split kind of decision. Because Turbulence 3 has uh, uh, a really bitchin' uh, uh, band in it. Uh, Hell yeah. In, in they on play, on in the plane? Yeah, in, in the oh. plane. They play in the cargo hull. That's fucking That's amazing. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need to go That's, look at the yeah. Turbulence. Yeah, yeah that yeah. one I'm pretty sure is uh, uh, is on Prime. Is Raylo in that one or is like no, fucking no, Batista no. in that shit? No, no, no. <laughs> no one is it. No one is in that one. Okay. No one. Which Batista uh, isn't even like nowadays. He's kind of like turning into like prestige boy. That's not even a good like. Yeah. Uh, Randy Couture. That's, a, that's <laughs> oh a, god. That's a better meathead who's in. I think he's in a bunch of Scorpion King movies. Peter, yeah. would you recommend Air Force Con? Um, no, I would not recommend Force Air. Recommend Force. Damn it. Recon. Air Con. I would not recommend Air Con. Air One. I would not recommend Air Con One. Um, it's really long and. Unboring, uh, unboring, got it. Uninteresting <laughs> and boring. I'm just all topsy fucking turvy here, man. Um, it's boring. It's long. Um, all of the schmaltzy moments are bad. All of the comedic moments are bad. Harrison Ford is bad in it. 
Yeah, you feel bad for Glenn Close when you see her in it. I will say Gary Oldman is doing just fucking fine. He's a really good actor. It's hard for him not to be pretty good in whatever you give him, even if it's this. So, you know, is the performance good enough to warrant watching this fucking thing, this two-hour movie? No. No, it is not. I usually do a rewatch of the movie we're going to do before, like, the day of. I'll watch it to write my thing, but I'll watch it again the day of. And I couldn't do it for this thing because the last time I watched it, it took three and a half hours because I kept oh, stopping no, no. it and coming no. back to it because I couldn't sit through it. It's so... It's- Ugh, I hated it. You just gotta grit your teeth and power through. No, you know? I don't want uh, to. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> There's no telling what's gonna happen, you know, in our prequel sequels and remakes. Yeah, this is true. Uh, except that that's gonna happen right now, yeah. and then we'll know. Yeah, we're gonna start without further delays. Because we all know how flying gets these days. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Peter Prickle Boy, what you got for us today? All right, um, I just fucking realized this is going to be a whole podcast of airplane jokes, so everyone get ready for the most relevant humor in the world. Um, okay, we got prequel. This one got a little away from me, and I will note right right up ahead, I had a completely different prequel written, but then a Rick and Morty episode came out with a very similar plot line, so I had to completely rewrite it. Um, so, which will make sense once you get into the thrust of this movie. So here we go. Air Force One prequel. Title, Air Force Sub-Zero. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. Tagline, the weather outside is frightful. Tagline two, only by working together to destroy violence can we truly achieve world peace. Hey, that's a good quote. Yeah. From Mr. Y.K. Kim. It is. And tagline three. Fun! <laughs> Directed by Steve Binder. You know, Steve Binder. I'm afraid I'm I'm not who's I'm not. You'll know who Steve he is Binder. by the end of the movie. An uninterrupted two minutes and forty-five seconds of title cards plays against a really dull and uninteresting score for an action movie jam-packed with brutal violence and CGI explosions. It really takes you out of the movie even before anything of consequence happens. If smartphones existed when this movie came out, and since it came out now, they did, people would probably be right on them, even in the theater. Anyway, deep in the hills of Marin County, California, a renegade group of oddly short mercenaries storms a heavily guarded facility. The Black Ops dudes totally rip the throats out of all the guards on duty, even those clearly not in the path of their mission. (laughs) They descend down an elevator shaft all Mission Impossible style. At the bottom floor, they find what they've been looking for, and it's what every Black Ops team in a movie is looking for, a giant metal safe. The lead man signals to a slightly smaller man with some type of costume quirk to make him stand out. Maybe it's a monocle, maybe it's a backwards cap, maybe it's a bandana. Whatever it is, it's entirely inappropriate for the situation. Costume gimmick man fires up a torch and opens the safe. The man next to him puts a hand on his shoulder and nods approvingly. Cue title card, Air Force, Sub-Zero. Cut to Antarctica, November 17th, 1978. Remember, this is a prequel, guys. A man lights a cigarette from the cockpit of a huge fuselage. Chief of Staff Jimmy Carter, no relation, and portrayed by either Timothy Olivant or Justin Thoreau, depending on which friend you ask, had his work said about him. I I always fuck those guys up. (laughs) Uh, Today was the scheduled date for a major stress test for the largest presidential transportation achievement this side of the bulletproof motorcade, Air Force One. 
The plane had been environmentally tested in extreme heat and structurally tested under intense bullet fire. They even put in a totally impractical escape pod that could launch the president into the ocean or an active volcano with absolutely no way to save them. Just to be <laughs> sure. But today was the final test. The extreme cold test. Sure, there was absolutely no reason to assume the plane would ever have to fly over Antarctica, but they weren't going to take that chance. This was the president after all. The test was routine. They were going to take off, circle around the block a few times, then land. It was so simple you'd think someone with absolutely no knowledge of planes could have written this. <laughs> Takeoff went smoothly, and the plane was just as roomy and comfy as can be. There was even a swim-up margarita bar. Oh, badass. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a lazy river. Um, in the plane? In the plane, man. Yeah. That's a lot of extra weight and components. Just water it's fucking, <laughs> how does the water stay, you know, it's level? Air, it's Air Force One, man. Well, there's, you know, there's, there's cabin pressure. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's... Yeah, there's, but the plane, you know... Yeah, but there's, ca there's cabin boy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the pilot signaled to Jimmy Carter that all was clear when suddenly there was a bang on the roof of the plane. What was that? I don't know, sir. Sounds like it came from the second fuselage, right about where the chimney is. This plane has a chimney? Absolutely, sir. Only the finest for the commander-in-chief. Rogers, get down there and inspect the chimney. The radio buzzes, but with no answer. Rogers? A wet gurgle can be heard on the other end, followed by a hail of fun fire. Fun fire, goddammit. <laughs> I love fun fire. <laughs> No, no, it's a hail of fun fire now. Um, a hail of fun fire can be heard. <laughs> uh, well, that's good because gunfire would, uh, you know, as we talked about, you know, break the uh, sanctity of the uh, marriage. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, my, my marriage was going great, but then there was a hail of fun fire in it. Just, it just <laughs> everything went to shit. We stopped talking. Um, yeah, man, it's tough, it's tough, tough to hear that. Never got over that moment. <laughs> That's why I started smoking, and that's why I quit smoking. smoking. With Chantix. Uh, <clears throat> something is amiss on Air Force One. <laughs> the captain reaches for a radio and... <laughs> the captain is... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Funfire got me. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> Funfire got us all. <laughs> Funfire in theaters this fall. Rated PG-13. The captain reaches for a radio and is hailed down in a flash of bullets. Miraculously, not one of the bullets hits the very sensitive glass in front of the pilot. Which, even if, say, a Kazakhstani terrorist shot a pilot at point-blank mere feet away from the glass, would be a definite risk and probable danger. It's just so lucky, isn't it? It's quite lucky. Oh my god, we're gonna crash! Jimmy Carter reaches for the steering column and struggles with it, like any actual human being with no piloting experience. He isn't able to do anything of use because he doesn't actually have any piloting experience. Don't you love when movies do that? Just like snakes on a plane. Classic. Carter grabs the radio. Hello? Is anyone alive out there? Can, can anyone fly the plane? I can fly the plane. A gruff but warm voice came from just over his shoulder. Who, who is that? I, I can't quite make you out. Are you sure? The man steps forward. He's wearing a fuzzy red suit with white trim and a matching hat. I've flown things worse than this in worse weather. Wait a minute, are you? You couldn't possibly be. I am. He was. It was jolly old Saint Nick, as portrayed by himself. Wow. Yeah. 
I thought it was going to be Keanu Reeves if that first voice came in. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a great can voice we, actor. Can we pretend that Keanu Reeves plays him? <laughs> yeah, let's have Keanu Reeves play Santa. Why not? Hell yeah. yeah. Merry Christmas to us all. Keanu Reeves is Santa now. <laughs> That's most excellent. Uh, Santa takes off his red hat to reveal a sweet rainbow bandana soaked with the blood of his enemies. <laughs> Chris Gringle is on a fucking mission, guys. He starts fiddling with the controls. It's as if he's done this before. What's your name, kid? Carter. Jimmy Carter. No relation. Santa, why did you shoot everyone? It was an unfortunate but necessary stipulation. I've been in contact with your office for weeks, but no one would take my calls. Wait, you were the fucking one saying you were Santa Claus? What the fuck else was I supposed to say? <laughs> I had no other option. The reindeer were all killed two months ago in a black ops raid. I needed this plane to complete my mission. And what mission is that, Santa? Santa enters a new series of coordinates. To bring Christmas cheer, motherfucker. The plane sped off into the distance at top speeds defying all aeronautics, probably, if the writer of this piece had any idea of what could defy aeronautics. Jimmy Carter has grown to accept Santa's mission, disregarding the likely pointless gun violence perpetrated merely hours ago. You know, Santa, I have to know. What could possibly be so important you need to commit murder and hijack a government vehicle? <sighs> Have you been a good boy this year? What? It's a rhetorical question. I know you've been a fairly good boy. I'm Santa Claus. Right. Well, you'd expect to get a pretty good gift from Santa then, right? Naturally. Now imagine. You're the goodest boy. Most good. What? Uh, I think it's most good, not goodest. Imagine you were the most good boy. What type of present do you think they get? Well, I guess whatever you'd want and more. Bingo. And the thing this boy wanted, one of the richest mans on the planet went to extreme lengths to try and destroy. It cost me 10 of my best elves, including one who wore a monocle for some reason, and all my reindeer, but it was worth it for the goodest boy. Uh, most good, but uh, w wait a minute. Christmas is over a month away. Why do you need to get him the gift tonight? This boy doesn't know it, but he won't make it to this year's Christmas. It's gotta be tonight. CBS was accidentally sent the same Incredible Hulk episode instead of a new one. It's our only opening before Christmas. C CBS? It's a TV show? Sorry, I can't tell you what the package is. That's between Santa and the most good boy. <laughs> They're nearing their destination of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's the closest broadcast tower, which can broadcast the payload to the continental United States. All right, Jimmy, press that button over there. I should get the payload ready to be dropped to the station. Just this one over here? Man, flying an airplane is easier than I thought. Easy, kiddo. You're just a co-pilot. Maybe someday you'll move over to the pilot's seat. Jimmy engages the button, but nothing happens. Ah, that's weird. I'll go into the hold and check it out. Set the radio to channel three. I'll be in touch. Santa wanders back into the cargo hold, carefully stepping over the bodies of innocent government bureaucrats who had plenty of friends and family. Along the roof of the plane, he notices some ripped out wires. No, not ripped out, chewed. Son of a bitch. Carter, you there? I'm here, Santa. How much farther to Fort Lauderdale? Looks like we're about 15 minutes out. Shit, we're gonna be cutting it real close. Why, what's wrong? Suddenly a sickening laughter rang throughout the cabin. 
We've got gremlins. Oh! Chris Hell Kringle yeah. pulls. <laughs> Hell yeah! Chris Kringle pulls a massive battle axe from behind his back because Christmas magic, you know, whatever. Wait, gremlins are real too? You're having a conversation with Santa, Jimmy. Yup, fair enough. Yes, in addition to gremlins being the stars of a delightful Joe Dante Christmas black comedy, they also often appear to airplane pilots after extended periods in the air and are blamed for messing with airplane circuitry and such. This is the connection we're making here, and not just a loose connection to another beloved holiday film, okay? Which is, everybody which is why Dick Miller is just fucking terrified of them in, <laughs> in Gremlins 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah. It's those things! Didn't, no! Didn't this character die in Gremlins 1 and they just yeah. like kind yeah, of Yeah, he's back. It? Yeah, okay, yeah. He's back in number two. <laughs> gotta, it's amazing. Gotta get Dick Miller, man. Gotta get him. Slowly but surely, Santa makes his way into the cargo hold. Suddenly, a sharp pain hits him in the neck. A comically tiny arrow. Santa swipes to the right and decapitates the offending gremlin. Alright, you punks. It's Christmas time. Several gremlins stand atop their shoulders to form a slightly taller gremlin and put up their dukes. Santa immediately cuts them in half. Santa, is everything okay down there? Santa bats aside another gremlin. Yeah, just keep her steady. A giant gremlin appears and brandishes a scimitar and impressively waves it side to side for several minutes. Santa pulls out a cougar magnum and shoots him in the face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, love, yeah. I love when fucking grown men my age use 007 gun names because yeah. <laughs> yeah you've been playing any Goldeneye recently it's coming up uh, a lot um no but I don't know many gun names that aren't no like, me neither I, I, I'm with you <laughs> the, the stove yeah. and all yeah. that shit yeah I'm a, a Behringer Derringer Derringer that's a thing Derringer's like the little tiny gun yeah that's a thing right the KF7 Soviet okay yeah. the AR-33 assault uh, rifle okay the RCP-90 yeah way overkill fucking gun <laughs> it's um, way overkill you got a uh, PP7. You got yeah. a silenced PP7. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are just normal gun names. Yeah. Yeah. It's just what they are as guns. Is it a Clob? Is it a KLO88? We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know because we'll the never know. Um, let's see. Uh, Cougar Magnum shoots him in the face. Terrible sharp pain grabs Santa in the chest. He turns to see a gremlin holding a blowgun with a skull and crossbones imbued on it. Santa decapitates the sniveling little gremlin. He looks down. A poisoned dart is stuck in Santa's heart. Jimmy, I'm going to take it down myself. But Santa, what about the plane? What about Christmas? Don't you worry about Christmas, Jimmy Carter. There is a Santa Claus. As for the plane, do you see that big button that says autopilot? Just hit that. Should take you back home. The writer of this piece has confirmed that autopilot did exist in 1978 and would be able to pull off this function. This is all of the research he did for this piece. I love you, Santa. I love you too, Jimmy Carter. That's beautiful. Santa tosses his battle axe into a button that says release and jumps, ab- and jumps aboard the payload. The crate is sent hurtling down to the control tower below. As the life fades from his eyes, Santa looks off into the distance, knowing he had done his job. Merry Christmas, Timmy Toots. Fade to black. Later that night, in a hospital bed in Southern California, little Timmy Toots flipped through the channels on his tiny bedside television. He had been such a good boy this year. As he shuffled through the stations aimlessly, the green face of a certain Marvel superhero caught his eye. An announcer spoke. 
The Incredible Hulk will not air tonight. Timmy Toots lifted himself up as much as his life-threatening lymphoma would allow. Dare he allow himself a speck of hope? The words, a very special presentation spiraled onto the screen. Things fade to black. Then, in a classic font came those faithful words. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> Timmy oh, cried man. tears of joy and kept his focus on the screen through the pain. He was uncertain about many things. How much longer he'd survive the cancer, or whether the Dodgers would ever win another World Series. But he did know one thing for certain. Santa is real. The end. Yay. <laughs> yes. Little does he know. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it is, this is a movie, Desmond. It's just, just, just fiction. Yeah. Uh, Fucking life day. Yeah. Li yeah, life day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good thing the movie ends there. We don't see him just become horribly <laughs> disappointed. Or maybe he'll just, like, maybe he's young enough and he, like, won't really, like, get what's going on. And then he'll just be enthused by the cartoon portion of that, which is actually decent. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as cartoons. Right. Star Wars go. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's... It's uh, so. So what happened? Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the most recent Rick and Morty episode. Um, I haven't seen any of the newest season. No, uh, I only saw the first episode. So okay. Far. Well, there's this whole thing with heists, and it was like very, very, very similar to what I wrote. So I had to rewrite it, and I was, I was just like, um, I'll, I'll make this a Christmas special since this will come out sometime around like the holidays, um, and. You know, that, that date, November 17th, 1978, that's when the holiday special came out. Marin County, California is, of course, where Lucas Ranch is. And uh, oh, shit. the director, Steve Binder, is the guy who directed the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, well, oh, now, wow. now it all makes so much yeah. sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, great job, Peter. That was uh, prequel-erific. Oh, um, thank you. Um, I don't know if we got any James Marshall in there, but... Um, that's all right. Look, it's it's about the plane Air Force One. <laughs> it is about the plane. I guess we got all that's something to consider. Yeah, it, that, it is about the plane. It's not called Yuletide President Drums Marshall. <laughs> that Yuletide drunk, disgruntled Yuletide Rambo. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of that uh, uh, the Weird Al Yankovic song, uh, uh, which is a great song. Uh, that was one of my first like loves of his. Yeah, when I was a kid. Just carnage on Christmas it cracked me up. No, it's, it's hilarious. That's so good. Uh, cool. Well, uh, we did the prequel. Yeah. Now we got to do the sequel. Yeah, we do. That's badass. Um, Scotty boy, I believe you're up. That's right, Desmond. I'm up. And are we all ready for this? Are we all satiated? Does anybody need anything? No, I'm good, need man. A, need a... Okay. Yeah. Nobody need a thing? No, I'm good. Air Force One sequel. Title. Air Force 12. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Air Force One Two, Turbulence in Chief. Oh my goodness, this is why you brought up turbulence. <laughs> Tagline, buckle up. <laughs> Tagline two, one for the money, two for the show. Get off my plane, down you go. <laughs> Fuck off. Tagline three, first is the worst, Second is the best. Harrison Ford at his best. Tagline four. Oh my god. <laughs> when this plane's a rockin', you're uh like fucking dead. 
well. Directed by. I thought there was gonna be a five. Yeah, I, thought, <laughs> I, thought, I really fucking yeah. thought there was gonna be a five. Yeah. There's gonna be twelve. No, that's not. That's it. Directed by John Cena. Riley. John Cena Riley. All right. <laughs> A frothing mass of news media snapped their shutters and clicked their jaws on the airport tarmac outside of the historic Air Force One plane, clamoring for a picture of the man everyone now calls President Harrison Ford. Or, uh, James Marshall. Again. For a third term. And it looks like the motorcade is finally arriving here at Air Force One for President James Marshall's inaugural flight as president to kick off his somewhat controversial and historically unprecedented third term in office. There were literally no good options for other candidates, and after the drawn-out ordeal that was the incumbent president, Voters across America unanimously decided to sort of get back together with their ex and elect someone more comfortable to look at on the television so that they could continue to ignore the corporate fascist technocracy that has come to rule over us all. That's right, Dildo. And many Americans are wondering if James Marshall will be up to the task. After all, he's been out of office for 16 years, and the geopolitical climate has changed drastically in that time. It turns out, mercilessly bombing innocent civilians in other countries is not really the path to peace it was proposed to be. Additionally, there has been some concern over the president's age. While two short decades ago, America saw a spry young leader full of false promises of hope and change that made us feel good, the now graying, oft unshaven, and unmistakably boomer Marshall is hardly the picture of hell. <laughs> Just last year, he was involved in an automobile accident that many online alleges to President Marshall's deteriorating eyesight, citing what appear to be cataracts in his eyes in some paparazzi pictures. That's just deep fake news, says Prez in a public internet comment, and we are just all too eager to regurgitate his words verbatim now that he has become the chosen one, again. The presidential motorcade grinds to a halt and out steps James Marshall, Harrison Ford, flanked and literally steered by Secretary of State Cassandra Jones, June Diane Raphael, and his top aide and personal buddy, John Leguizamo, as played by John Leguizamo. Yay. Wait, June Diane, uh, uh, uh. June Diane, June Diane Raphael. Is that a uh, uh, Burning Love made. fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, How Did This Get Made? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah she's great. Yeah. yeah, she's hella funny. Flash bulbs go off as some sort of presidential music sounds. All right, buddy. All we got to do is walk through this chaotic throng of prostitutes and wayward strangers, and then we're on the plane. And don't worry, this flight is not going to be anything like the last time. Pinky promise. Oh, Mr. President, Mr. President, any final thoughts before you board the plane for your inaugural flight? Final what? Ah, uh, yeah, well, uh, Air Force One is, uh, America is a great country, period. And I'm just so glad to be back in the pilot seat uh, of the country. And the plane, too, yeah. Uh, it's really, really great. Cassandra elbows the president. Ixnay on the eight gray. Oh, oh, right. Uh, well, America, I'll see you on the other side. Oh, wait, that sounds ominous. Uh, good night and good luck. Um, it's not really the right context for that. Oh, let's see. Uh. Before the president can find the right words to express himself, a tour bus pulls up. 
a rockin' tour bus. <laughs> Every single reporter and stranger turns their focus to the bus and goes wild as the doors open. Down the steps walks none other than shock jock superstar Slade Cajun. Nicholas Cage in kiss makeup, basically, <laughs> whose superstar mullet gently buffets in the breeze, followed by the rest of the band. Slade stops and soaks up the crowd, his flowing black mullet softly buffeting in the wind, still. Prezi J looks slightly dejected by the spotlight shift. It's either that or he literally can't see a fucking thing and is attempting to understand the color change in soft shapes. Ah, cheer up, buddy. We get to fly with Slade Cajun. Heavy metal with a spicy kick. That guy slash that band fucking rocks. <laughs> the president is hustled onto the plane while the band entertains a crowd with autographs, muscle flexing, and kissing those muscles with the flexing. Inside the plane, a group of dumbass tourists are getting a tour of the plane for not a reason stated. Their tour guide, Mary Beth Denberg, is perfect for the part. This red phone right here is what the president would pick up if he wants to order a nuclear strike. No dialing or nothing, just a direct line with no kind of voice authorization necessary because only the president is allowed to use this phone. For all of you, think of this red phone as being in airplane mode, okay? <laughs> a few simpering laughs and polite groans emit from the tourists. A formidably large and painfully overstated foreign man, played by Nils Allen Stewart, he plays Orlando from The Mask, or Boa Bobo in Double Dragon, Double steps Dragon. forward from the group. Excuse me, where is the restroom? Yeah, that's just gonna be right down the hallway there. If you're in the secluded area full of supplies, you're too early. If you're in the situation room, you've passed it. The large man looks over to his two companions of equal or lesser large and nods. They nod, and then all of three of them walk off suspiciously. And next, we're going to go to the major communications hub and security center, followed by the cockpit. If you're lucky, one of the pilots might let you touch him. In the next scene, the large man bumps into the president in the hallway. Excuse me, Mr. President. He says with a smirk and continues with his entourage down the hallway. President is furious. Who the hell are those guys? Why are they on my plane? Yeah, I have no idea who they are. Uh, probably with the tour group. I wouldn't worry about it. You damn millennials don't worry about anything. You're out of touch with reality. Why aren't any of you suspicious about everyone? I mean, he had an accent for crying out loud. <laughs> hey, relax, guy. It's a plane movie. Chances are we're gonna land safely. Most of us, probably. Where the hell is my secret service? At those guys? They're probably uh, tying off in the cargo hull. <laughs> yeah, there's been a huge influx of opiates in the trade. It's a bad scene. Dang. The world's gone to shit. Yeah, you can say that again. On the other hand, our in-flight movie is Wild Hogs. <laughs> Wild Hogs. Uh, uh, uh. That's actually quite the double bill if you were to do a double feature. Of, a true uh, story, uh, uh, Wild Hogs was the in-flight movie to and return from Hawaii one time that I went. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's awful. God, now they give you at least a few options. Yeah, yeah the, you know, that, that was the time. Not back in the day. Yeah, no. no. How long is that flight? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, not too long. Yeah, it's, it's not too yeah. Long. As far as flights go, it's probably just his wild very, hog length. Yeah, yeah, just long enough for wild hogs. Mm -hmm. uh, plus a little problem. We gotta do fucking wild hogs. No, dude. they have, they have, they have, they, have, they made a sequel. No, they, do they really? Are you just I'm thinking? Pretty, oh no, they, they did. Thinking, You're right. They totally did. Are you thinking of old dogs? 
No, no, no I'm no, pretty no. sure they made a sequel. They made a sequel to Wild Hogs. The old dogs came out after Wild Hogs. She called it Hogs. Old Hogs. Yeah. She called it Old Hogs or Wild Dogs. Old Dogs was the Jay Tulte, Robin Williams bullshit. <sighs> it's fucking Randy Couture in Wild Hogs, too. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Maybe. I don't, Scott, <laughs> please continue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cassandra attends to them. Mr. President, if you'll follow me to your quarters, we're almost ready for liftoff. As they enter into the president's office, the band has spread out and are taking in the room. Slade Cajun with his feet up on the desk. Excuse me, you can't be in here. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought this was backstage. (laughs) Slade takes notice of the president. Well, well, my word, if it isn't the president of the United States, James Marshall. It's an honor to meet you, sir. When I was a young man, you were my hero, my idol. I wanted to grow up to be a president just like you. But instead, I started an 80s shock rock band with a hi-ya! Cajun kick, Baja blend. <laughs> of course, then with the band taken off and all, I got a little too into the blow and the poontang. Not like that's ever stopped a president before, am I right? <laughs> I, uh... Thank you. Uh, Nice to meet you, Cajun Blend. Mr. Slade, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. We're about to take off. Oh, come on now, baby. I just wanted to introduce my bandmates. It won't take long. Mr. President. Cassandra, it's fine. It's not fine. He just called me baby. What? Mr. President, this is my guitarist, Dick Sticky, as played by uh, Ray Liotta. Uh, You may not want to shake his hand. (laughs) My bassist, Ronnie Two Legs, as played by Brian Posehn. Just try to make a movie about metal and not have him in it. You can't do it. <laughs> and our drummer, a fucking Grog. Hell yeah, that's badass. <laughs> uh, you know, I actually ran for president once in 2016, and then look what happened. All's I'm saying. Uh, well, very nice to meet you all. Thanks for being on my plane. It's gonna be a hell of a flight. (laughs) We've got something special planned just for you, Mr. Marshall. I think we should have a toast. You got any vodka on the plane? James Marshall furrows his brow in confusion, suddenly suspicious. Vodka? Da, vodka, comrade! Stolichnya! Da, da, da! Vodka, vodka, vodka! Johnny Legs pops up with a bottle and a shot glass. Did somebody say vodka? (laughs) Woo! This guy's the fucking man. High five. Cassandra gives John a disappointed look. What? Like I'm going to miss a chance to party with Slade Cajun? Pilates. <laughs> Do Pilates with Slade Cajun? Uh, have it be known, I looked up Wild Hogs 2. Uh, the first thing I found was Wild Hogs 2 Aryan Blood Oath. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, what? I don't know if they're, uh, yeah. Um, oh <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. That's not fucking real, wait, but. Wait. And Martin Lawrence is in there? Do you see Henry Rollins down there? Yeah. <laughs> just have to throw him in there. I don't know if this is just a. Uh, that's probably just a maybe it's a, Photoshop, it's, it's, but that's it's great. It's fucking funny. Um, Hats off to everybody who did that. Uh, that's hilarious. James Marshall pulls Cassandra aside. I want you to do a background check on this band. There's something strange going on here. For now, keep this under your hat. You can count on me, sir. A headset-wearing backstage personnel pops in through the doorway. Five minutes till opening act. I need you guys downstairs. And Mr. Cajun? Yeah, baby. Don't forget to rock. Woo, yeah, baby. I shock him and I rock! 
Fuck them. Thanks, doll. Jenna Sweetheart, would you be so kind as to escort the president to his deluxe box suite downstairs for the in-flight entertainment? Oh, now just what in the hell is going on here? And me and the boys have put together a totally bitchin' set for your inaugural flight, baby. Because we really believe in you, President James Marshall Bravestar. And so with a little help from my friends, we erected a stage in the belly of this plane to put on the most badass metal show ever seen mid-flight. You like metal? Of course not. All right, okay, well, you can always stay upstairs and watch Wild Hogs again. <laughs> downstairs in the belly of the plane, the president is escorted to his private box suite. All right, Your Honor, you'll be seated here in the John Wilkes booth. Oh, my God. Harrison Ford gives Jenna a wry look. Does everything have to be ironic with you millennials? Jenna gives the president a smile that he can't tell, says, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that look, too. Yeah. 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 Scott made the look the that look. you can't see. Yeah, I'm sure anyway, he did. It's a very squinty smile. I'm sure it is exactly uh, that. Whoa. We had another little sound effect there that was just left over because this is a template oh. recording into. What was it this time? We're normally not recording into a template, so I never have to worry about that. Yeah, what was it the sound effect this time? It was like a... Oh. I don't know. It was like a... It's a cartoon ca- cartoon bonk. Cartoon bonk. bonk. Yeah, that, okay, that's it. All right, well, I like that. Keep it in. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll probably have to do more work to find it because, you know, the alignment is going to be all up. Anyway. Right. The opening act is a rousing set from Prague Zombie, a prog rock white zombie tribute band. Their sincere commitment to the concept is actually quite refreshing. While Johnny Legs is tapping his foot and nodding his head, Grog is talking the President James Marshall's ear off. See, my plan, once I got into office and got my hands on some of that secret time travel technology, was to go back into the 90s and dig a whole bunch of those glass Sobe bottles out of the recycling. That's a collector's item. Them <laughs> shits are going for like $40 a pop on eBay now. I could clean house. So what do you say you help me out and we split the profits 50-50? I don't have the slightest clue what you're talking about. <laughs> huh. So you're supposed to be the voice of our nation, but you've never turned a Sobe bottle into a gravity bong before? <laughs> you make me sick. <laughs> Burn in hell, you piece of shit. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Grog would. Grog would. Grog gets up and throws down his napkin in disgust. To be fair, it was a pretty disgusting napkin. As Prague Zombie finishes their set, Cassandra enters the suite. President Marshall, I did background checks on the band like you asked, and they came up clean. Not only were there no criminal records, there weren't any legal documents for Slade Cajun, Dick Sticky, or Ronnie Two Legs at all. Meaning either these guys are deep intel, or they're not who they say they are. And there's more. Their manager, Steve, he organized their world tour last year. Really? What else did you find out? Damn it, the world tour! Where did they go? Oh, you know, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Turkey, Russia. Russia? (laughs) Oh no, it's worse than I thought. (laughs) And they're on the plane. How do I get an outside line? I think you just go to any phone and dial nine, yeah? Cut to the air traffic control tower, because of course we do. Of course. Abner Bicklesmacker, Louise Guzman is putting on his coat, ready to turn in for the night. There's a light blinking on the desk. Okay, I'm going home to watch the semifinals. I taped off the live feed. 
Don't anyone try to spoil me or nothing. Oh my God. When I watch BattleBots, I like to be right there with them in real time. Know what I mean? Hell yeah. Anybody gonna grab that call? Anybody? That's your line ringing right now, Abbey Road. Ugh. You know what? You guys are all useless. Y'all are dead to me right now. Abner begrudgingly walks back to his desk and picks up the phone. Precision Door Service, a name you can trust. This is Abner speaking. How may I help you with doors? This is President James Marshall. I'm aboard Air Force One right now. I need to speak to air traffic control about a possible terrorist situation. Oh, I was just kidding before. This is air traffic control. Uh, my name is Abner, though. That part was for real. <laughs> Listen, Abner, you're the only one I can trust right now. This plane is being taken over by Russian agents. Oh, man, that sounds really serious. They got, like, guns and hostages and stuff? No, no, there's, there's a, it's this heavy metal band, and they're playing a show on the plane. It's, it's really loud, and their manager arranged a world tour. They went to Russia, of all places. I mean, come on, let's connect the dots here, people. <laughs> okay. And then, in the hallway, a big foreign man bumped into me. He's possibly a Ukrainian, definitely a Russian bot. I'll bet anything he was an agent. You're my only <laughs> outside contact, Abner. I think, I think they're trying to steal the election. <laughs> wow. Mr. President, are you sure you didn't just have too much to drink at the concert? Maybe take a hard hit off a joint and then get real heady? Because, my friend, you already won the election. Damn it, I'm being serious. <laughs> I need you to call the White House and scramble jets now. Okay, James, can I be honest with you? I was just walking out the door and I have robot fighting on the VCR, so I need to know if this is just paranoia or if this is for real, real. Abner. They asked for vodka. Vodka? But they only sell that everywhere. And also in Russia. <laughs> Precisely. Now listen. Just then, Slade Cajun hangs up the phone for the president. Mr. President? Mr. President? Click. Beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. Brr, brr. Brr, brr. Yeah, hi, Bernard. Yeah, I need you to transmit to the White House. Yes, the White House. Back on the plane, Slade Cajun takes the stage to an uproar of applause from the dumb tourists and a healthy gag of background extras. This is a big plane. Hello, Air Force One. Are you ready to rock? The audience roars back at him. I want to introduce you our very special guest, all the way from the halls of government, where they truly care about you, President James Marshall. Ow! Ow. As the music begins, the president is carted around through the crowd to be gawked at. Some cheer, some boo, some throw tomatoes. Rotten tomatoes! He gets splashed with water that is most likely dosed. Why is no one checking up on me? I'm the president for crying out loud. <laughs> All right, now time for the main event. Hit it, boys. Dick Sticky throws a flippin' switchy, gets itchy for a frickin' ciggy, smokes a pack, coming back looking like little Nicky with a frickin' hickey on his dicky and some titties. He's the one who got it made. Admin money, got mad money in the shade. Oh, we the ones who do it double, out late night, causing large size trouble. Rocking heavy weight off the great Barney rubble. Wake up naked and sweaty. Five days worth of stubble. And semen. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> Is there any semen by the corpse? <laughs> the cargo door ramp of the plane opens up behind the band. And despite a slight wind, no one is sucked out to their death. 
<laughs> Tonight, I want to welcome another very special guest, my brother, my partner in crime. Give it up for Hans Gruber. Yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> From the exterior of the plane, a large green goblin-esque drone flies up with Hans Gruber, Alan Rickman, nice. straddling the top. I have arrived. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the audience cheers. Again, they like this. It's a fun development. Without missing a beat, Cajun throws Hans an electric accordion, and they immediately jam out some old country folk music shock rock metal salsa fusion. Ooh. The large guys who are holding up the president offer him a bottle of water. Like a mirage, Marshall begins to hallucinate, and suddenly the large men are dressed in Russian clothing and hats, and the water bottle is now a bottle of vodka. <gasps> no! No! James Marshall stumbles back into the crowd, delirious. He recoils the sight of a hipster chick doing stretches, who transforms into a stereotypical Halloween witch stirring a cauldron. <gasps> he looks at a very multicultural group of young people who all transform into uniformed radical-type terrorists. <laughs> They're everywhere! We're, we're surrounded! James Marshall breaks the bulb of a stand-up lamp and starts swinging it as a melee weapon, causing panic and sparks all around him. One of the large men starts trying to reason with him. Mr. President, please, there has been a misunderstanding. But all James Marshall sees is a menacing figure advancing towards him. He does a Mortal Kombat-style sweep kick and tangles the poor man in the lamp cord. Get off my plane! James Marshall pushes the man out of the plane, presumably to his death. He then wheels on the crowd and pulls out a firearm. Get back! Back! <laughs> Johnny Legs moves to the front of the crowd. Hey, James, it's me, your buddy, John Leguizamo. We're all kind of worried about you. How about you put down the gun? No! Damn it! You're always trying to take my guns away! <laughs> hey, buddy, look, no one's trying to take your gun away. We just want you to not level the barrel at people's heads, that's all. How can I trust you? How do I know you're not one of them? One of who? Who? Who do you think? The Russians! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, time. keep it. Keep it. It's better. <laughs> the Russians! <laughs> I, I just loved how it was. Oh, it was all Mr. Marsh, like, type of shit. Yeah, yeah. totally Randy. <laughs> the Russians! <laughs> Russian? I'm fucking John Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're an asset. A, a spy. All of you. You're all in on it. Buddy, I'm gonna level with you here. You sound insane. Hans Gruber steps forward. Perhaps I can help. For you see, the president is not entirely wrong, nor is he entirely insane. A little misguided, perhaps, and certainly showing his age. I mean, suck it in for crying out loud, man. <laughs> but there are indeed a group of terrorists here tonight. And they are all of us. Our complicity with the general atrocities committed by our country in our name, not just abroad, but right here at home. It's repulsive, enough to drive one mad. On a more technical level, however, the band and I are actual terrorists, and we're here to seize this plane and take you all hostage for reasons of chaos. <laughs> Well, Alan Rickman needs to come back. Yeah, There's oh, a yeah. fine yeah. line between Alan Rickman and Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a, Briti yeah. a small <laughs> British step. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. 
Suddenly, all the band members bust out submachine guns and shoot through the ceiling for dramatic effect. The crowd screams. Slade Cajun turns to President Marshall. Oh, and uh, there's just one more thing I think you should know. He puts on rose-colored glasses and rips away his flowing mullet. I'm Caster Troy! Oh, we gotta bring yes. him back. We gotta keep bringing him back. What follows is a long action scene featuring heavy gunplay, hostage scenes, terrorists taking over the plane cockpit, and lots of the president sneaking around the plane and disarming people that is reminiscent of the first movie. We've seen it before. We will see it again. <laughs> Suddenly, Cassandra pulls a katana on James Marshall. Not so fast, James Marshall. We have unfinished business. I guess Cassandra was a turncoat, and they have a drawn-out sword fight that ends up with a fight on the wing of the plane. Cassandra is hanging off the edge, and James barely catches her. For America, James? No, for my plane. <laughs> and let's go. Oh, I'm sorry. There's some Mac and Me music that's on the... Hold on, I gotta go stop that. No. <laughs> oh, man. But maybe I, maybe I don't have to, because it's... No, I don't have to stop it. Yeah. We'll just listen. Honestly, I don't... I wish you could hear what we're hearing. Yeah, honestly, it's not picking up on the mic at all, so... No, no, no. It's just in the headphones. Oh. Uh, sorry, it's way distracting. I'm gonna go turn that off. All right. It's like it's like there's been like a soundtrack sound slash soundboard going off without our consent in any way. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's that's funny. No, for my plane. And let's go. She gets sucked into an engine and it burns out. James makes his way to the cockpit and shoots the pilots instantly, thinking they were terrorists. To be fair, they were white. He gets on the line with Abner. Abner, you there, buddy? It's the president. Oh, Mr. President, it's so good to hear your voice. Hey, what's the situation up there? Not good. Low on fuel and we just lost an engine. I need to land, fast. Hey, you're still a long ways from the closest airport, sir. There's a strip on an island off the coast, but there's a nasty tropical storm that's brewing up right now. Nuke it. I, I, <laughs> what? You heard me, that's a direct order. Nuke the damn storm. I'm bringing this plane down one way or another. I just need you to clear the path. You just, I just, I just want to get this clear. You want to nuke the storm? <laughs> oh, so when Truman does it, everyone claps him on the back. But if I want to drop a bomb, I'm some sort of monster? But sir, somebody could get hurt. And besides, I'm not really authorized to order that kind of strike. Well, tell me who is, damn it. There's no time. I mean, I, I kind of don't want to say it, but you are? <laughs> Catch a James Marshall on the red phone ordering the strike. For something like this, jets are scrambled in no time at all, and before you know it, a giant mushroom cloud envelops the area where the tropical storm was. A huge shockwave blasts the plane back and knocks out another engine. Abner, I just lost another engine. Talk to me here. Okay, you see the big green lever in front of you? Pull it down. Yeah, I, I see it. Yeah? You, you got it? I can, I definitely, I can see it. Cool, okay, cool. So, pull it down. Damn it, there's no time. I've <laughs> got to land this plane. Yeah, so there's like, uh, no one else around maybe to help out with this. I'm the president for crying out loud. Yeah, okay, bro, we have a strong connection. When you land this thing and this is all over, you and I are just gonna go grab a brewski, okay? Just you and me. What? I'm just reading what the script says. Oh shit, it's still on. <laughs> just then, Johnny Legs bursts into the cockpit. 
I was able to subdue the rest of the attackers. Now let's focus on landing this plane, just you and me, buddy system style. The president looks over at John, a crazed look in his eye. You, traitor. What, what the hell are you talking about? Not breaking his manic stare, the president pulls out a large knife. Johnny Legs gets out of his seat and starts to back away. Whoa, 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 hold on, this is not supposed to happen. I'm the president of the United States, and I want you to get off my plane. Okay, time out here, can we cut? Oh, we're gonna cut all right. I'm gonna slice you up, you coward. The president lunges towards Johnny Legs, taking a swipe at him with the knife. Suddenly, the cockpit is filled with a crew of zookeepers, all brandishing tennis balls on the end of sticks, cornering President Marshall at the plane controls, which he bumps into, causing the plane to plunge into a nosedive. Alarms start ringing. The president swipes at the tennis balls and hisses like a feral cat. One of the crew members throws a net over the president. We got him. Target secured. The president comes to with a splash of water in the face in what appears to be an interrogation scene. What do you want from me? Don't you know who I am? From the shadows, a man steps forward. It's George Lucas. <gasps> hey, buddy. How are you feeling? George, you have to help me. They got me tied up. I've got to land the plane. Abner, <laughs> Air Force One, and the band, the <laughs> Russians. <laughs> Harrison, my old friend, it's all being taken care of. Don't worry about a thing, okay? You're still the president and everyone loves you. But right now, I need you to do me a favor, okay? I need you to go to sleep. George Lucas produces a syringe and plunges it into James Marshall's arm. What, George, no, not you. The president slumps in his chair. George Lucas walks off set and talks with the line producer. So, uh, everyone on set under the, uh, non-disclosure agreement? Yeah, yeah, everyone's NDA. Good, good. Well, well, we'll make sure this doesn't get out into the public. He's still the same old dog underneath, but, you know, he's slipping a little bit here and there. Oh, yeah, of course, we understand. I mean, he's a legend. Everyone respects the hell out of him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, how's Mr. Leguizamo? He's a pro. Good, good. And the big guy? You know, the one he threw off the ramp? Sprained wrist, but uh, we're insured though, so he'll be all right. Ah, terrific. Well, thank you so much for thinking to call me. I really appreciate it. We'll take it from here. George Lucas whistles and a couple of production assistants strap James Marshall to a hand truck and wheel the president down an aisleway. On either side of the aisle are giant vats containing Harrison Ford clones. Hundreds of them. (laughs) Thousands. A million babillion clones. The end. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bravo. Yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. Crazy fucking Harrison Ford. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I leaned into it a little bit. Um, I forgot I about that. The, yeah. God. I forgot about that you, thing where you wanted to nuke the storm. <laughs> oh forgot yeah. That yeah. happened. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, it did happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was that was Air Force Twelve. Yeah. Uh, one, two. Um, a lot of classic characters making their return. Of you got Johnny Legs in there, Luis Guzman, Grog, uh, Abner. Is yeah. that the character's name in the first? No, I just yeah. You know. Well, the, the, the constant repeating of the name works yeah. very Abner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hell yeah. Well, thanks, guys. I'm glad you guys uh, yeah. enjoyed it. I will say, um, uh, 
Grog is right, you can buy glass soapy bottles on eBay for as little as $20 each. As little as 20 Really? When I was looking it up, it was like all close to 40 Were but, you uh, searching for ending soonest? Oh, no, I guess yeah, not. Yeah, you gotta search for ending soonest. Ah, see. Wow. <laughs> yeah, fucking soapy. <laughs> yeah, it's got a cool lizards on the bottle. <laughs> One of them is snowboarding. Sobe was always like oddly like a sponsor. Sobe was... Uh, Oddly, always like a sponsorship in whatever video game. I swear there'd always be like, not Grand Theft Auto, but other knockoff like open world games. There'd be a Sobe truck, like Tony Hawk mm-hmm. type games and shit. Like there's always, there's always just the the Sobe skin and, and vehicle skin in, in, in bullshit. You can't even get the glass ones anymore. It's all in fucking plastic yeah, now. It's bullshit. It doesn't keep shit cold. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah, it's not as good. You did a great job, Scotty. Yeah, Thank you. Did. You. you did great. Uh, so let's go through the stats. Oh, there are stats. I guess there's stats. Yeah, you might as well do that stats. Critic score, 7 out of 10. The most disturbing portrayal of an American presidency ever seen. I didn't know Harrison Ford had this kind of range. I still don't. Shiny Hams, the Brisbane Review. Audience score, 9 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Jit Doc Farstucker, Anywhere, USA. Trivia. Only 40 Harrison Ford clones were used to simulate the million babillion clones. They were merely duplicated using special effects and mad science. It's so cool how they do that. Yeah, Yeah. that's really cool. As is standard with most clones or industry bio-robots, their lifespan is only about two weeks. And by the end of each two-week period on set, the Harrison clone usually went haywire. Director John Cena Riley loved the footage so much that he kept most of it in the film making it the first feature film to be heavily influenced by clone improv hmm. or clone prov. Give the more you know. Yeah. That's it. All right. Yay! Clone prov. Yeah. All right, so we are on to remake, which leaves yours truly. Hell yeah. Desi B, America's sweetheart, what kind of a tale are you going to regale us with this time around? Uh, remake, Fly Hard. Oh, nice. <laughs> Directed by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, yes. Tagline number one. This summer, Jean-Claude Van Damme is back and ready to kill 30,000 feet in the air. Rated R. Tagline two. He's here to exercise his right to kick people in the fucking head. Tagline three. He's here to fuck. Oh, yeah. Kick-ass beloved U.S. President Chase Dubois, Jean-Claude Van Damme, holds a press conference on Hot Wheels Island off the coast of Chile. Hot Wheels Island. As 100% totally American president, I proudly want to announce Hot Wheels Island's induction into the U.S. as the 51st state. May the twisty turning orange track symbolize our prosperous union or something. The crowd screams and cheers as pictures are taken during the live broadcast. A reporter then walks up to President Dubois. It's Eric Roberts. <laughs> hey, Mr. President. Mr. Salieri sent his regards. The reporter pulls a Glock and fires at the commander-in-chief. No bullet exits the weapon. Ah, a replica. If you wanted to kill me, you should have bought American. Oh, my God. Dubois <laughs> leaps into a spinning roundhouse kick and breaks Eric Roberts' jaw. Blood streams out of the reporter's <laughs> mouth as he falls to the ground. The crowd cheers. <laughs> the crowd cheers on their sexy yet lethal president. The Secret Service kind of just shrugs off the fact that they failed to present an attempt on the, their boss's life. Whatever. Jean-Claude Van President is then, <laughs> is then escorted away from Hot Wheels Island Embassy. 
to the presidential plane, Air Force One, rebranded early on in his term to bear a Nike logo. They made the plane faster. (laughs) On his way up the ramp, he signs various bills, kisses various babies, and shakes the hands of many important dignitaries. On board the plane, he is greeted by his gang of cronies. Chief of Staff Lloyd Shepard, Alec Baldwin, hucks a sweet pass at Dubois, who roundhouse kicks the football right back at him. Sweet moves out there, Mr. President. Where would, uh, where would we be without you? Defense Secretary Walter Dean, Bill Pullman, walks up, medal in hand. <laughs> I, uh, I made this medal quickly. In your honor, sir, you are a god. Major Norman Caldwell, Kevin Costner, comes into frame. The affair you had with my wife was a goddamn privilege, Mr. President. For me. (laughs) Boys, boys, I am merely a man. An American man with a gigantic penis. (laughs) Anyone have the score of the big game? I have several billion American monies riding on this one. Now, where are my wife and daughter? President Dubois was a vain man and concocted a contingency plan to clone himself twice and have them masquerade as his wife and daughter, should anything happen to him. (laughs) This was unknown to all except for him. He had the cloning doctor frozen in carbonite to keep hush-hush. First Lady Lady Jean-Claude Madame and First Kid Jean-Claude Van Daughter run up to President Dubois lovingly. Daddy, we are so happy to see you and that you are safe. Dear, when are we going to take that vacation that you promised? In good time, love. There is a lot of work that must be done. John Clon Van Daughter. Oh my god. <laughs> Secret Service Agent, uh, Secret Service Special Agent Gibbs, Bruce Willis, then interrupts the beautiful family gathering. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bada bing, Mr. President. Uh, we're ready for takeoff now. President Dubois lays in his chair, catching some well deserved Z's. Agent Gibbs slowly sneaks to the cockpit and taps on the door. Hey, boys, yeah, yeah, we're airborne. Yeah, it's time. Down in the cargo hold, a small platoon of commandos reveal themselves in luggage. They storm the fuselage and take over the plane with relative ease. Blah, blah, blah. The president hears the commotion and cowardly abandons his wife and child to hide in a cabinet. The rest of the staff is rounded up in a conference room as the commando terrorist guys take roll call. Realizing the president is missing, commandos set off to find him somewhere on the plane. Back at the White House, Vice President Catherine Bennett Tina Turner in full Thunderdome gear grows worried when the plane's radio does not respond. Agent Gibbs phones in. Gibbs, what's the situation up there? Pilots aren't responding. Uh, y- yeah, that's just that's just turbulence. Everything is fine. I need to speak with the president then. Uh, no. Gibbs hangs up the phone. Something's not right. But hey, if the president dies, I get that motherfucker's job. So fuck it. <laughs> Up in the air, various commandos search for President Dubois to no avail. In the conference room, the head terrorist guy, played by Jeremy Irons, makes his plan known to the staff. My name is Augustus Saint Saint, and all I want is the deed to Hot Wheels Island. <laughs> Norman Caldwell, Kevin Costner, speaks up. Mr. President will never give it to the likes of you. We do not negotiate with terrorists. Saint O'Saint. <laughs> Saint O'Saint then shoots Kevin Costner in the head in front of everyone. Good thing it's non-negotiable. Now, who has the deed? Meanwhile, commandos search for President Dubois. 
Dubois leaps out of cover and strangles a terrorist guy with his legs. It looks pretty cool, kinda, and honestly takes way longer than if the dude had just broken his neck with his hands. But we're here for maximum van damage. <laughs> Dubois takes the dead terrorist's gun and ambushes the next two guards, shooting without the, an ounce of the restraint one may have firing guns on a plane, mid-flight. Out of bullets, Dubois breaks a glass emergency case and pulls out a special pair of Air Force Ones featuring Wi-Fi and titanium plating. He kicks the next guard's nose into his face and cracks another one's head open like a coconut. Damn, these are such quality and affordable shoes. Now, I've got to find who crossed me and kicked them to death. Back in the conference room, Augustus paces with a gun out. Van Madame speaks up. And what is it that you want with Hot Wheels Island? Well, since you asked, I wish to bulldoze it. Bulldoze it? For what? Augustus smiles devilishly. Bulldoze it and build Astro Jump Bounce House Island. <laughs> the rest of the president's staff gasps. Walter Dean speaks up. Bounce House Island. That's almost too much fun. Imagine an island where every surface, every inch was a bounce house. Up and down all day and night. By God, it would be glorious. <laughs> Yeah, but like, uh, how do you eat? Augustus shoots Walter Dean where he stands. At that moment, Van Madame and Van Dotter spring into action and totally <laughs> fuck up Dada. all the remaining terrorists in the room with spinning roundhouses. Augustus tries to escape, but he has his head stomped in by Van Dotter. So that's the end of that. <laughs> Chief of Staff Lloyd Shepard congratulates the First Lady and Kid on a job well done. <sighs> I've never seen kicks that fast. I mean, whew, hot damn. Looks like your husband trained you well. Ah, uh, yes, husband. The entire staff is fitted with parachutes and escorted off the plane. Little do they know, the parachutes have not been checked for inspection in quite some time. Oh, no. So, uh, that day was known in Perth as Red Sunday. Oh, no. <laughs> Back in Air Force One, President Dubois creeps around until he runs into Agent Gibbs. Hey, Mr. President, you still on board? Don't you know terrorists took the plane over and the pilots have abandoned the ship uh, or plane and uh, I betrayed you. We gotta go. Here, take the last parachute. Gibbs opens the plane door. Why don't you go ahead? Dubois kicks Gibbs off the plane who falls into the water and explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Dubois takes a look at the parachute, empty as suspected. As Air Force One careens into the ocean, Dubois bows his head. The president must go down with the ship. <laughs> his, last thought the is, <laughs> his last thought is how totally awesome Hot Wheels and Astro Jump Island would have been together. Oh, well. With the president dead, Tina Turner became president just like she wanted. Her first act? Give Hot Wheels Island back to the Chileans and forget the last four pages of nonsense ever occurred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The end. Oh my god. Or is well it? Done. Oh. Uh, well, question mark? It is. Oh, okay. James Marshall return? Oh my god. Uh, Chase Dubois. Chase, Chase Dubois. Dubois. I'm sorry. Which is a much, much better name for a president. <laughs> oh my god. Friggin' Van. Master Dubois. <laughs> Mr. Dubois. I think that actually is a name lift, like two, an amalgamation of two names lifted from his movies. Mm. He's Dubois in something. Oh, okay. Yeah, He's I know. Jean-Claude Van Damme fucking sucks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah but it was great actor. to see this uh, Van Damme remake of Air Force One. Van Dare I say, Donner. 
Much better. Yeah, Van, Van Madame and Van Daughter. <laughs> Van, Van Madame. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, um, so good. Uh, yeah, I, dare I say much more entertaining than the Air Force One. Yeah. I see this more as a TV special. Takes the hour spot. Only 40 minutes with commercials. Okay. I don't see that as Van Damme's style, though. His movies are all oh, pretty no? long, aren't they? Not? Ah, you're right. I don't know if he's gone TV. He did that fucking... Doesn't that, strike that me as Amazon pilot Jean Claude Van Johnson. Oh yeah, uh, whatever the fuck that was. Oh, yeah, I do, do a karate kick. The leg is up real high. Oh, like, oh yeah, that's the movie. <laughs> he is he is below like Schwarzenegger and Stallone, but definitely huge leaps above like Seagal. Mm. Fucking Seag- have you seen the interview with Seagal where he's like scoffing at the idea of John Klein Van Damme being like in in like one of his peers. No. I haven't. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll I'm going to roll the clip at the end of the episode. Oh, that's here. disgusting. That is, yeah, yeah, he's just disgusting. like, yeah, well, it's, it's like, guys fucking This guy's not real, you know. Like, Shut the fuck up, Steve. Yeah. Do you ever notice what the fuck Steven Seagal kind of... Yeah, right. Steven Seagal kind of puts on an accent. Like... Yeah. Oh, yes, I, uh, I'm a very <laughs> humble man, so... And uh, it's like, who the fuck are you from? Like... He's like bad acting throughout his entire life as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and sorry, I mean, Van Damme is a shitty actor, but you don't fake those kicks. That guy is a martial artist. Yeah, no, he definitely yeah, is. Fuck. Steven Seagal's stuff is all total crap. Oh, it's awful. I mean, I can't think of a single good thing he's actually been in. No. Like one of his po- projects. Maybe he does like a cameo in an all right movie. That shit is Decker. Yeah, that is definitely yeah, Decker. Sure. But anyway, that's my remake. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah. It's been a great show. It has. I hope uh, all our listeners back home have had a good time. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I I I would second that. Yeah, and hey, this is the uh, the start of season four. It's an exciting time. The pre sequel world. Let's see where we go from here, guys. What where, where we where, yeah. where are we going? Where are we gonna do? And Peter, what's that next? Uh, what's that next film gonna be? Let's give our uh, listeners um, um, some time to uh, do their homework. Huh, let's see. The, wait, uh, yeah. Wait, hold oh. on one second. Oh, I'm in. Oh, it's hackers. In. It's I, hackers. We're doing I, hackers. It's hackers. Yeah. Yes, everybody. Um, just between now and when the hackers episode comes out, just make sure you watch hackers. Yeah, yeah watch hackers. <laughs> yeah. Listen to the internet dial-up sound a few times just to get yourself in the mood. Yeah. Uh, maybe like walk around IKEA or something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. um you know, because there's lots of like it, that will like help you to visualize what it's like inside. The, the, the program. Yeah, it's a way better, way better movie than Air Force One. So enjoy that. Yes, everybody enjoy Hackers. Everybody log on. We will see you next time when we're not seeing you. We're yeah. just going to talk to you. Yeah, you'll hear but us. Then. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Then. Yeah. I just promised all my mentors that I was going to be a good boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a matter of opinion, that he was a champion anyway. And, and I mean, you know, I'm not being catty or anything. I wish the guy all the best. But there are an awful lot of people who say that that's not true. Can I laugh in your face? Really? Yes. Thoughts on Jean-Claude Van Damme? Can I laugh in your face? Really? Yes. Do I think Jean-Claude's a tough guy or martial arts? No. <laughs>